0: Hello friends. It's your old pal Aria Hawani back with another edition of DC and Hawani. So much to get into from PFL to Bellator to UFC to Canelo Alvarez to UFC this weekend and a whole lot more in between. But before we get to all of that, I do want to let you know as you know the NBA season is approaching the playoffs. I was in Chicago for both Celtics on Friday. The Knicks just pulled off a massive win over the LA Clippers on Sunday. And where I go to get all my NBA knowledge here at ESPN is the Hoop Collective podcast hosted by the great Brian Windhorst. You got to stay up to date on all the news in and around the NBA with the Hoop Collective. Download and subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, as you know, UFC 262 coming up this Saturday from Houston. Charles Oliveira, Michael Chandler, vacant lightweight title fight. It all goes down on ESPN+. Plus. Pay-per-view, 262, Saturday, May 15th. Check it out. For subscribers, $69.99. Go to ESPNPlus.com slash PPV for more details. All right, on to today's show. And as always, listener discretion is advised. Enjoy.
1: Now making their way to the microphone, it's Daniel Cormier and Ariel Helwani.
0: In your life on this Monday, May 10, 2021. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to a brand new edition of DC and Helwani. That's DC. Daniel Cormier. I'm Helwani. Ariel Helwani. DC. No one knows any of this. They could not care less. But this is a big day for our show. A lot's changed. People are back in Bristol at the control room. It feels like we're on the glow up here. This is exciting.
1: An absolute massive day for the show because the whole past year, we've been doing this from our Zoom computers. Now we're finally official. And I feel like I look better. I look more radiant. The lighting's better. My, my, my yes. skin. I mean, look at my skin. Look at the smoothness of the skin. The, I skin. mean... I, hey, Ariel, I feel pretty. I mean, I feel, it looks like they put lipstick on me today. They actually started giving them the whole DC.
0: I mean, you got that fresh shave. You got that Brian Russell look. <laughs> I mean, you, you got the fresh collar. You are looking good, my friend. And hey, shout out to the whole production team. Uh, for doing all the great work that they've done behind the scenes to make this happen, uh, we appreciate them more than they know, and we are very excited about today's show. And DC, what a day! I mean, holy smokes! Yesterday, Mother's Day, of course, but you know, it feels apropos, right? It feels apropos as we want to as we want to celebrate. The moms out there, the grandmoms out there, all the queens out there who do such great work for everyone. But it's apropos because today is national clean up your room day, right? I mean, how many how many times as a kid has as Mama Cormier told you to clean up your room, right? Feels fitting.
1: Apropos. I mean, apropos. It's, it's apro-pro. Like you always try to say these words. It seems apro-pro that after Mother's Day, your mom has yes. to go and clean your room. Listen, Ariel, it, it's better to say something like, wow, after celebrating Mother's Day, the day that we don't let them do anything, we don't let the moms do anything, the day after they get right back to work. You don't need to say apro-pro, whatever that word is you're throwing out of me. Yeah. We all know you're smart, Helwani. We all get it. We know you're a smart guy. There's no reason to try to show your brain power. It's crazy. Apro pro. Well, it's a French. Word. I, can it's, it's a French word. I can see you with and your you know finger. I can see you with your finger up in the air too. Apro I mean, you're apro. I mean, this guy right here. So ridiculous.
0: <laughs> hey, it's a it's a word that they would use in the bayou. You know what else they have in the bayou? They have shrimp. Apropos, because today is National Shrimp Day. Give me, give me a D.C. I feel like you have a D.C. shrimp dish. Give me a classic D.C. shrimp dish.
1: You know, here's the, here's the issue with the shrimp.
0: I'm allergic to shellfish.
1: I've never had shrimp in my entire oh, life. My I'm from Louisiana. Golly. I have never oh. had shrimp. So during oh, the Lenten my season, my mom, on Fridays, we can't eat meat. So mom's making shrimp stew. She makes, bo- like, they take eggs, right? They'll take eggs, they boil them, and then they cook them in this sh- with the shrimp in this beautiful gravy. My sisters, they would crazy. all just be demolishing it. And I never, ever have, ha- I have not had shrimp in my entire life. I'm allergic to shellfish.
0: That is crazy. It's, well, it's actually uh, really a sad. sad. S- yeah, a, sad, a very sad state of affairs. Too bad we're not doing this show tomorrow. Tomorrow's perfect day. Tomorrow might as well be renamed National Daniel Cormier Day. Why? Because it's National Eat What You Want Day, DC. I mean, come on, <laughs> heavyweight DC. Let's go. <laughs> hey man, we kind of ask you a question.
1: I mean, come uh, on, man. This is national eat what you want day. What? For a long time I've eaten what <laughs> I wanted. And I gotta be honest, I'm not ashamed of my physique. I think I look pretty good. For a 42-year-old man you from Louisiana that has, has had this career, that has cut so much weight, where I crash diet, then I eat whatever I want. So I'm big. I think I look pretty good. I got to be honest. When I take my shirt off in the morning, when I take my shirt off to go to bed, I don't, I don't, I don't feel bad. You know, I, I like to, you when great. I go from T-shirt to, when I go from T-shirt to robe, that moment when I'm just in my underwear, I'm very confident. You know, I'm in front of the mirror like, yes, let's go. This is what I was meant to look like
0: well you look fantastic in fact dare i say <laughs> it, it looks like you've slimmed down a little bit uh we've got a lot to discuss on today's program dc it has been a very busy week in the world of mma i was able to watch it all of course in between doing sidelines with uh mike green and jeff van gundy on friday in chicago very busy yes yes oh, i'm trying to set okay, the table here, going, here dc I'm yes
1: going, <laughs> Okay. Here we go, wait you did make mention that it looks like i may have lost a little bit of weight D- dare i say i feel like i am like I I'm mean, in, I'm, in, I'm erasing, you know, I'm disappearing because there was a time I couldn't wear suits. I wasn't wearing full suits, Ariel. I wore a full suit back in Jacksonville, and I was like, wow, looking very svelte. I only lost two pounds, you know what I'm saying, but I, I feel very spelt Now, as you said, the weekend was great. My man, I did notice you on ESPN for the basketball game. Dare I say, Ariel, dare I say you seem to fit in very well over with that crowd it seems like a bit of an uppity crowd you know the nba crowd but you fit in well with them i mean you look you look confident comfortable you're talking to the coaches your interview style is fantastic come on elwani is that what you're doing now is that what
0: you're well, doing now? You. well it was a hey listen <laughs> it was a big weekend for both of us i was on espn on friday you were on espn on saturday you were back at the apex so let's talk about these fights here dc What's your biggest takeaway from what happened in the main event on Saturday? Because the UFC, I st- I'll i be honest, I still don't know why they moved mountains to get Marina Rodriguez to main, main event this show. Like, why did it have to happen last week? I think you could have ended the show with Alex Morono defeating Donald Cerrone and you would have had a big talking point going into Monday. But for some reason, they wanted Michelle Waterson versus Marina Rodriguez. She arrived. Marina did on Thursday after hellacious trip to get to Las Vegas, had to do all the testing and the quarantining and all this stuff. And, you know, expectations were low, considering the fact that this fight was put together, essentially on a week's notice. Both women showed tremendous heart, great five round fight, and in the end, Marina wins in a, you know, listen, it could have been three, two, it could have been four, one. There was no controversy to be had come, you know, the point where they had to read the judge's scorecards. What's your biggest takeaway from her win over Michelle Watterson on Saturday?
1: I just think that Marina Rodriguez is just really good. I mean, watching her fight, after all the things that you said, all the obstacles that she went through in order to get there, fighting up at 125 pounds, opposed to 115, against Michelle Watterson, who's always in fantastic shape, I thought she did great. I believe that the reason they wanted her in that spot is because after her win over Amanda Hivas on Fight Island, you could see that this young lady has something, right? She's only lost to Carlos Esparza. A very, very close split decision loss that many people thought she won the fight. So this young lady has something. And if you continue to, like, put her in spots where she can shine, as she did on Saturday night, you think that you can start to build things around her. I said it on the fight. I feel like when I watch Marina Rodriguez and her fighting style... She reminds me of Ioana and whenever Jacek was on her way up to becoming a champion. Um, I understand how difficult it is and it will be to get the belt from Rose, but I believe Marina has something, man. And you know, I know you said it could have been three to two, but I thought it was four to one, and I thought it was four to one pretty clearly as they walked to the judges' scorecards because uh, she, she just the pressure, the pace, the aggressiveness. Uh, It looked like she stalked Michelle Watterson for 25 minutes on Saturday night.
0: You were sitting there cage side. She hits really hard, huh? Like you could feel it. Like she has power in those hands, correct? She's got power,
1: and she's so mean, Ariel. When she gets you lined up, like when she sets her trap and she can get in front of you, she just lets everything go with her strikes. She's not just trying to touch you. She's not trying to just set you up. She's trying to take your head off every single time. And her right hand is so fast and she did a really good job with her left hook over the course of the fight she had michelle watterson hurt on a number of different occasions but michelle just showed tremendous heart but i'm telling you man it's marina Rodriguez. kicks yeah. hard she punches extremely hard and when she gets to that muay thai clinch she is a savage trying to finish you with elbows and knees from in close it's nasty
0: yeah a lot of respect for michelle i mean by the end of the fight You could say, all right, she lost that fight, but man, that fifth round, she, I mean, she did not quit. She kept coming big, you know, big, I don't know what that was, a hematoma, a bruise or something on, (laughs) on Marina's face from a kick to the face. I mean, it was, it was impressive to see them fight that way when you consider the fact that this fight was put together a week ago. And then when you consider Marina's travel schedule to get to that point, I mean, arriving on Thursday morning, pretty amazing. Now they were helped out by the fact that it was a 125 fight and not a 115 fight, but Impressive, nonetheless. So afterwards, she said she wanted Ioana. I suggested Mackenzie Dern or Ioana. What do you like for Marina next?
1: Well, it's a matter of what. It's a matter of what you're trying to do. If your team, Marina, you want Ioana and Jacek, right? You avoid the risk of fighting Mackenzie Dern, especially with the way Mackenzie is fighting lately. Mackenzie Dern's biggest threat was always going to be the ground game. She just didn't understand that she had that loaded weapon for some reason. Now she understands and understands it greatly. So the fact that she's trying to grapple at all costs now is very scary. So if I'm I'm Marina Rodriguez, I'm trying to fight Ioana Janjacek, me and her team, because I know that's a stand-up fight opposed to being out there with the absolute best grappler in all of female mixed martial arts. There is nobody that grapples like Mackenzie Dern, and she's so good with her submissions. She's so opportunistic in terms of finding finishes. It's a very risky proposition to put Marina in there with her if your team, Rodriguez.
0: All right, so that was the main event story. We have to talk about the co-main. Alex Morono defeating Donald Cowboy Cerrone in the first round. First round TKO. And, you know, we're starting to get to that point now We're where with Donald where we have to ask some tough questions. Do you feel like this should be the end? Do you feel like... He deserves that retirement fight. What is the retirement fight? We want to see him get beat up more. I mean, he's taking some big shots as of late. What do we do with Donald Stroni at this point? It seems like he kind of knows that it's the end. In fact, he spoke to ESPN's Brett Okamoto after the fight. This is one of the fun things we can do now, DC. We can actually play clips now that we're doing the show like this. Do we have that clip, Corporate Jake? And if so, can we play it right now just to <laughs> provide some context on the emotion involved afterwards. Here we go. Here's Donald Taroni after the fight.
1: I don't know, man. Don't know what to answer you on. Is it that time? I don't know. I don't feel like it, but how I feel and how I perform are two different things. You know, sucks. Uh, Who knows? I want to go back to 55. Those boys at 70 hit hard. They're big boys, but, uh, Like I said, no excuses, man. That kid came in, was ready. We did everything we did on our end, and uh, he got the luck.
0: Do you see that's an emotional guy who understands that the end is near. What's your takeaway on on what to do with Donald Taroni at this point?
1: Well, that's that's what I was going to say, Ariel. It's like you see a man uh, dealing with questions in a moment when You're always faced with those questions, but you can't answer them truthfully, right? Too many emotions are going on right at that moment, right? So a lot of times as an athlete, you're like, I'm done with this, forget about it. Or you're like, no, I can keep going, right? It's just too emotional in that moment. Here's the issue. As he loses fights and he starts to lose fights to guys that aren't necessarily uh, the level of guys that he lost to prior, those questions will be asked. I thought Cowboy physically looked great. Cowboy's only 38 years old. You know, there is a lot to be done at that age still, at least in my opinion, from my experiences. Here's the issue. For so long, he was lauded for anytime, time, any place, anywhere. He would fight five, six times a year. He would fight anyone. So as the clock starts to run out, the wear and tear is so much more apparent. And Cowboy knew that he's entering into the final phase. Because even during the fighter meeting, he told us, it's time to get away from those barn burners. It's time to get away from those knockdown, drag out fights and be a little smarter as I age. But for all the reasons he was so highly regarded as a younger fighter, he has to pay for those things now as he gets older. So it's a it's a it's a fine line. As an athlete, to try to navigate your career without putting so much wear and tear, and becoming his fan favorite, that you cannot have a sustained career as you get older. There's no reason for him at 38 to be uh, at this place yet. But I think it's all the things that he did earlier, man, that is, is ultimately costing him. So, um, God, but what a, what a, what a, what a, uh, what an odd situation, right? Fighting Alex Morono, a young, hungry guy, getting knocked out like that, he was going to be favored to beat Diego Sanchez. The whole narrative could be completely different if he fought Diego Sanchez last weekend. We wouldn't be asking if it's time for Cowboy to be done because he probably would have gotten his hand raised and we would have looked to the next thing for Cowboy. So it's just these small little places in your career dictate so much.
0: Uh, I think if he beats Diego Sanchez, we would have said, all right, you got your win. Is it time to be done now? Or at least you get one more fight. Is it time to be done? It looks like he wants that one last fight. But DC, he hasn't won a fight since May of 2019. And I have the utmost respect for Donald. He is a Hall of Famer. First ballot, if that exists. I mean, yes, he never won that UFC title, but who cares? I mean, the guy is an absolute legend. But since that win over Ally Quinta in May of 2019... TKO loss to Tony Ferguson. TKO loss to Justin Gaethje. TKO loss to Conor McGregor. Unanimous decision loss to Anthony Pettis. <laughs> uh, the majority draw, which was overturned against Nico Price. And now the loss to Alex what, what are we talking What, what, what? What's the problem? Ariel! Tony Ferguson,
1: Justin Gaethje, Conor McGregor. This yes. dude is... He's fighting the absolute best of the best in the world. So maybe he's not the best in the world anymore. Maybe he's not at that level. But... What about the other guys? I feel like him fighting Nico Price to a draw, right, was showing where he is today. Him losing to Alex Morono today was probably the first loss that you can look at and go, maybe it's time to hang it up. Because, dog, Conor McGregor, Justin Gaethje, Tony Ferguson, and who was the other one you listed? I mean, there's no shame in that. There aren't many athletes that are fighting today that could go – and Anthony Pettis there aren't many fighters going through that list today that are going their record's going to look about the same as cowboy whenever they're done with those fights it's not it's not that big a deal to lose to that level of fighter
0: i couldn't agree more and and if that was the case if that was truly the case in this situation we would say all right maybe he should take a step back and fight an alex Morono type a nico price type well, guess what he did and he lost. Now, look, I feel uncomfortable. I hate the conversation pushing the guys out, the legends out. I, I hate this conversation. But for his own help, like he's getting TKO'd in the first round by Alex Brono. And so I think a conversation in this day and age where Woodley's being pushed out, Junior Dos Santos is being pushed out, Alistair Overeem is being pushed out, Joel Romero is being pushed out. You have to take a hard look at Donald Cerrone and say, yeah, the writing is maybe on the wall. I'm down with giving him you know, a, a, a retirement fight, a veteran fight. But I just hope for his sake, for his health, for his family's sake, that he takes a hard look at the group. Because, yes, you could say those guys were great. doesn't matter. The damage is still the same. It doesn't matter who it's coming from. The damage is still the same. This man has taken a lot of damage. That was his 16th pro loss, two-no contest. The damage is still the same, D.C. you got to start looking at that stuff.
1: I understand that. I understand the damage that Cowboys taken. But, again... When you look at certain guys, man, it just seems much more apparent. For me, it doesn't seem as apparent that Cowboy should be done. If he is done, that's fine. I get it. I understand your concern, Ariel. But all I'm saying is it does not seem as apparent. This guy, Alex Morono, is a beast, man. The guy's tough. He's physically strong. He punches hard, and he landed a great shot. Anybody can be knocked out. But I point back to the other opponents as a reason in why, as to why I don't know if that's the time, just because those guys are just the absolute elite of fighting, and he's still fighting at that level. All
0: right. I, I, I will just add that uh, Morono's been fighting the UFC since 2016. Uh, I mean, o- over 10 fights on his record, only one finish in that bunch, and that was against Zach Otto. <laughs> Uh, several years ago, so oh, this dude is you know, this not dude. are like talking about a, a knockout. point,
1: hey boy. You just love to you just love to prove your point. I'm, I'm just saying, get your point. I'm just, saying, I'm just looking at the facts digits. here, and and,
0: and, and and I mean, and look, here's the thing: Morono deserves his love. He deserves his respect on this Monday. But you know, obviously, Cerrone, given his his record and his resume, is going to get a lot of attention as well. Also, by the way, we got to talk about Neil Magny. All this guy does is win. Has the setback against Michael Chiesa. Comes in there. <laughs> against the young stud, Jeff Neal, who needed a win in his own right, considering what happened at the end of the year to him. And and then the big story, once again, is, all right, Neal Magny wins. He's starting to get in that conversation with GSP for the most wins at 170 pounds. And here, Hamza Chemaev is talking, saying, don't run. What is going on here? This is like that Paulo Costa situation. Hamza Shemaev is telling Neal Magny, Don't run! You see the tweet right over there. Don't. What what, what was it exactly? Is it you're fighting me next? Don't run like chicken. We will see. I mean, Neil Magny was the only guy asking for Hamzat Chimaev. Why would he run? I feel like Neil Magny would fight Hamzat Chimaev today if he could. Get out of here with this run like
1: chicken. Oh my goodness! This is a very, this is a very odd circumstance. If I'm being honest, because when (laughs) Hamzat was going to fight against who was Hamzat? Oh, it was against who was Hamzat? Leon. Leon Edwards. Leon. And when the Leon Edwards yeah. fight was falling apart, Jill was like, hey, I'm over here. I'll fight the guy. I'll fight the guy. I'll fight the guy. But um then Hamzat for some reason didn't take the fight now. I guess Magni's got some momentum again. I don't know. Magni lost to Kiesa, but Magni had won a whole bunch of fights in a row before, so I don't know why Hamzat didn't fight him then. Look, man, I think now when you look at Hamzat Chumayev. His situation is much different. After having the Edwards fights canceled, having uh, you know his run-in with COVID and all the fight, the time away, I feel as though maybe he feels his momentum has waned a little bit and he needs to just get back in there and he sees Neil Magny as that guy he can fight now. But no, Neil Magny's not running. Neil Magny hasn't run from anybody in his entire career. Neil Magny will fight you, Hamza chimayev anytime, place. The guy doesn't run from people.
0: That's the next fight. For me, that's the next fight. Make that fight. Magdi Shemaev. There's a the built in storyline. Are you down with that? If, if Shamayev comes back in August, hopefully he's okay. He doesn't push himself. That to me is the fight. Easy as one, two, three.
1: Absolutely. It wrote itself, right? It wrote itself. Neil won.
0: Hamza's ready to fight him. Let's do it. And DC, I got to give you props. That post-fight interview – and look, I don't want to give you too much props because it was mostly him. But that post-fight interview with Gregor Gillespie, I mean, dare I say it was Helwani-esque. You let him bring out the emotion. You let him speak. You set him up. I mean, you set him up nicely. That was great stuff. What a win. (laughs) What a performance. What a comeback for Gregor Gillespie who had not won – who had not fought, excuse me, since the BMF title fight at MSG in November of 2019 – But the whole thing, the way you capped it off with that interview and allowing him to share that emotion, it was very real stuff. Probably the highlight of the night for me.
1: And honestly, Ariel, after watching Gregor and talking to him, I called back to him four or five times as the fights went on because he just pretty much did everything right in terms of not only the the, the interview, but staying the course in the fight. When things started to go bad for him, he was hurt bad on a number of occasions he was exhausted going into the end of the round and he came back out and he just literally broke Diego fajeda and I've seen this kid since he was so young wrestling at Edinburgh that you could see how emotional he was after the fight so um, yeah man I loved it I love getting to talk to him I love getting to see him really kind of regain his footing and that was not an easy fight for him you know he was hurt and and this kid's very talented. But um, there's still some work to be done for Gregor. He's got to not get hit so much because he did not take the shots well from Diego Fajeda. But I think he'll be in the top 12, 11, uh, maybe even top 10. When the week starts at lightweight, you know how difficult that is.
0: D.C., this card was hit with a lot of uh, bad luck, you know, COVID, injuries, late cancellations. Um, So before we wrap it up, I I do feel like I have to bring up Ryan Benoit I mean, this is scary stuff, man. We just saw it a few weeks ago. We see it again. Someone unable to stand. It feels like we're we're, you know, again, he posts a statement, he says he's okay, but it feels like we're flirting with disaster here. Is this just a product you're rolling your eyes at me? I mean, look at this. Who wants to see this? And then bringing the guy back out there Nobody. on the scale. I mean, you see it once, we're done. Well, what is this? What are we well, doing?
1: Well, so so here's what my here's what my biggest gripe is, right? The kid weighed in, like, almost five pounds overweight, right? He's almost five pounds overweight. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what you're trying to save. In most cases, that much of a miss, the the other, the other opponent won't even fight you. So it's like, I don't know what you're trying to save. The reason they put him back on the scale, because, because they didn't get a read on his weight when he fell off the first time. That's a mistake on the people that are doing the weight is <sighs> the commission. The kid's four and a half pounds overweight. I'm telling you, man, they knew, right? Because when he walked out there, there's an idea of how much this kid is going to weigh in at when he steps on that scale. If he's four and a half over, there's no need to really stick him back up there if he's in that bad of shape. My biggest question is always, what in the world did you do to be that heavy? Especially if you fought at those weights before. I I was actually looking at what... Diego Fajeda weighed in at the other day to fight Greg Gillespie because, remember, Fajardo missed weight by like four pounds himself, four and a half pounds himself. And we were trying to apply that to when we were fighting at 205. They said the amount of weight that Diego Fajeda missed weight by would be like a Jamal Hill or a John Jones or somebody weighing in for a 205-pound fight at 217. That's the percentage of weight that, Fajita miss by. So imagine what Benoit would have had to weigh in at, at you know, as a 205-pounder for it to be an equal. So it, he fights like 125, 135 pounds. It, it was a massive miss by Benoit, and that's on him and his team. But a mistake by the commission to stand this kid back up there. Look, man, I know I roll my eyes, and I know I don't. I'm not as... I'm not as... In tune with these guys with these massive weight misses, I think it's because I've just seen it so much in wrestling that I know that that things like that happen. Scary,
0: scary. It's, scary. it's uncomfortable. It's more scary. And it's but it's, one, more, thing, it's but again, one thing. it's for more the guy
1: scary that- for you. It's more scary for you than it is for the guys that have spent a life
0: in a sauna. Sorry. Sure. I mean, but I I have heard stories of you having kidney failure in a hospital in China. That's not good. You're lucky. But and other guys are lucky. What, but that. guess we what though? We should try to recreate kidney that failure, just because hey, you
1: survived. But no, 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 no. Kidney failure in a hospital in China, but guess what though? For as bad as it was, Ariel, tried to, you know, made the way, and ultimately I paid the price. And guess who has to answer for that every day of his life? <laughs> Me. Right? I always had to. I always have to answer for that because it was my mistake in the buildup up to making the weight. I think the account, the responsibility is on the teams to get these athletes in range, but manage it right as a commission, as the the, the UFC and the, the people that are weighing these athletes whenever they're in that much danger, because it can be helped.
0: I'm 100%, sorry, man. By the way, maybe I'm just I wasn't the old guy to on the Maybe I'm I just the on the uh, No. I'm not trying to throw shade. All I'm saying is we should learn from these experiences and try in some way, shape, or form to make it better. And at the very least, if he looks that way the first time he steps on the scale, maybe let's not bring him out for the second time. That's all I'm saying.
1: But, Ariel, you do learn from the experiences. I did that. Dude, Kidney failure at 212, fought 205 for 10 fights. So it's like you do learn from it. What are you talking about? That's what I'm saying. You do learn from all it. Right, and these athletes need to learn from it. Okay. Yeah, scared now, huh? you scared. Um, now. Um, right, no, I got s- you. You
0: scared. No, I'm not going to no, hit I'm not you. Scared. i won't hit you. They're I telling me you. to move on. They're telling me to move on. <laughs> <laughs> I, would t- I would talk to you about you're this right now. Huh? But we have to now talk about what happened. Now
1: you scared yeah, now. Okay. Now you scared now.
0: We have to talk, D.C., to about what happened in Arlington, Texas. 73,000 fans at Cowboys Stadium, AT&T Stadium to be exact. I mean, it was shades of WrestleMania 3 with 73,000 fans. Canelo walking out there—it's a big scene. Billy Joe Saunders, who actually represented and backed up a lot of his talk. Maybe not as much as the broadcast would have you believe, but it was a close fight. And then we get to the eighth round and then he gets nailed with a big time uppercut. And then it seems like his eye is shut and then he doesn't get off the stool and his team says, we're done. It was shades of no Mas. and a lot of people afterwards calling Billy Joe Saunders a quitter, calling him a coward, calling him all kinds of names. I think he was disrespected. I mean, did you see that eye, and did you see the subsequent reports about the injury that he sustained? What did you make of this situation? Because I don't feel, man, you take a shot like that from Canelo, I mean, you got to think about the rest of your life. You got to think about the rest of your career. You don't want to come back out there for more. By the way, it seemed like his corner stepped in there, and I say good on them. Thank you for protecting your fighter. That's what corners should do.
1: I mean, Canelo Alvarez hits with so much power that when he landed that right hand, right, and Billy Joe, He kind of rolled into the punch, so he took the brunt of the punch. He took it with all of his weight going into the right hand. Now, for them to say that he quit was a tad bit unfair. Now, the the European guy, the British guy that was on the broadcast, he seemed to be the one that was trying to bring it back around. Like, I've yeah, Carl Frotch, I'm sorry, Carl Frotch, the great former champion, Carl Frotch, was saying... I don't think Billy Joe would quit, especially when he was fighting so well. Let's not sit here and act like it was a washout going into the knockout, right? He was doing a good job. He was representing himself well. But Canelo was ultimately going to break him down. This Saul Canelo Alvarez is a savage, man. And the dude is one of the best Mexican boxers I've ever seen. In terms of popularity, he may be only second to Julio Cesar Chavez because he's – dude. Chavez is 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 revered in a way that I don't think anybody can ever get to. But the, the reaction, the emotion that Canelo draws out of people, um, it's rabid. The, 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 the fan base is rabid. Hey, Rosendo Sanchez, my boxing coach, you know where he was last weekend? Arlington, Texas, watching Canelo Alvarez with wow. his son because he wants his boy to experience Canelo. That's how much Canelo means to, uh, to the Mexican community, and this dude is just a beast of a champion. And it, it, we are lucky to be living in a time where we get to see an athlete perform like Canelo does, but also do
0: it so frequently. Um, not many guys do that. To draw that many people in these times, that kind of scene, it was, uh, it was surreal to watch. And uh, he's an incredible fighter, certainly in the conversation for best pound for pound fighter in the world. And I, I feel like just the next challenge, like the next thing, the obvious next step is him versus Jake Paul. I mean, I mean, I just feel like that's the fight that has to happen. <laughs> and, uh, you know, <laughs> Internet explosion. Uh, uh, why do you be, talk about it'll him? Be, it'll be, it'll be
1: Kayla talking? Plant. It'll be Kayla Plant. It'll be Kayla Plant. Yeah. It'll be Kayla Plant. Because then he'll unify all the belts. But I mean, hey, man, 73,000 people going crazy. When Canelo said, Viva Mexico, you know, with the other word at the end, boy, those people went absolutely insane. On Cinco de Mayo weekend, let me tell you something. Eric, for a guy that doesn't even, we always talk about this Habib got bigger when he spoke English. For a guy that doesn't even speak English, how does he, he captures the imagination of everyone. Without even having to learn the language. It's like, I'm trying to figure out what Canelo's saying because I just want to be like, yo, did you hear that? Did you hear that? But I did understand Viva Mexico on Cinco de Mayo weekend was crazy.
0: I'm just saying I love hearing from people who call a fighter a quitter when you see his eyes shut in the moment, let alone probably what it looked like Sunday morning. I mean, relax. The guy, there's no reason why he wanted that fight to end. He clearly could not continue. And that's just a byproduct of fighting a guy as good as Canelo Alvarez who punches as hard as Canelo Alvarez. So that stuff just drives me nuts. But alas, gotta, I digress. We, we do be have careful, to move Harry. on, DC.
1: Yes? We got to be careful. We got to be what? careful, though, because these boxing commentators, man, they, 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 they get sensitive. Sergio Moore and those guys will get sensitive. You better be careful, Ariel. You don't want to question them, dudes. You don't want to question them, dudes.
0: I'm not scared. I am not scared. I'm also not scared (laughs) of DraftKings. I love DraftKings, DC. I don't know. That was a bad segue. I had nothing else to say. But you know UFC 262 is coming up, and we're about to talk about it a little more in depth. There's the lineup right over there, Charles Oliveira versus Michael Chandler for the vacant UFC lightweight title. The official daily fantasy partner of the UFC is giving all customers a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy MMA is very easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Download the DraftKings app and please use... Wow! New era. They figured it out. Please use the code ARIEL, A-R-I-E-L, for your <laughs> shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code ARIEL, only at DraftKings. Come on, See DraftKings.com right? for details.
1: It's never going to happen. I mean, it's just never going to happen. At this point, it just won't happen. I'm giving up. You're never gonna do this to me again. I'm never letting you do this to me again.
0: Sad. Hey DC, can I tell you something that will excite you and me on a better note? Look. Yes. Yes. Marino Rodriguez, that was cool. Alex Morono, that was cool. Hey, me doing NBA, that was cool. Uh uh, you know, Very the, cool. the Canelo fight and the crowd, that was cool. But can I tell you what was the highlight of the weekend for me. And I know I'm pushing it a little bit when I say weekend, I'm going one day prior, but like of the of the last few days, the highlight of the weekend, the number one thing, if you say to me, what was the best thing? And I'm not even talking about the Knicks win over the LA Clippers. I'm not even going there, DC. The highlight for me, the highlight for me was this clip right here. Watch, listen, and enjoy. Listen, this isn't a tournament. It's a coronation and I'm the queen, okay? Uh, I'm not one to talk a lot of crap Uh, it's not really part of who I am but it seems like everybody from boxers to YouTube idiots think that they can get in there and that's just not the case so luckily for the rest of the world I believe in equal opportunity so if anyone thinks they can step to me they can come get in the cage but from now on I'm the baddest woman in this room and in any room Okay, Kayla. D.C., okay, D.C., no Kayla. cap, no hyperbole. That might have been no one of the cap, greatest promos no in the history of MMA. I mean, Damn. I mean, Ariel. How good was that? How Wait, good was it?
1: I mean, come on, man. This was crazy. She, she actually dropped the mic in the way that she fought. And with her accomplishments, who's going to question her? Who's questioning Kayla Harris? For all the, hey, and for all the things that Kayla's been through in her life, personally, all the things that she has been through to get to where she is and win two Olympic gold medals, in order to be where she is in PFL, dude, Kayla Harrison believes everything she says. When she was done, I went to Twitter right away and said, okay, Kayla, I mean, that's how we doing it. Paging Carissa Shields, who I think is a great boxing champion, paging her teammate Amanda Nunez, because guess what, Amanda Nunez, you're in the room with her, and she's saying, I'm the baddest in any room I step into. Hey, man, let me tell you something about Kayla Harrison. If she can, we talk about 145 not being a weight class. I know she's heavier. I know she's bigger. But if Kayla Harrison finds her way down to 145 pounds, I don't know who can go with her. And I get it, man. I get it. we talk about the GOAT, Amanda Nunes is the greatest female fighter of all time. She really is all that. But with that ability, that confidence, And then now her striking is starting to kind of step up. Kayla Harrison scared.
0: I'm so happy you went there because here's Kayla Harrison frustrated with the PFL. Here's Kayla Harrison frustrated with the fact that she only fought once uh, last year, and that was for Invicta at the very end of the year. Here's Kayla Harrison having to sit in the locker room and hear the PFL go gaga over Clarissa Shields, who has never fought in MMA. Here's PFL. Excuse me. Here's Kayla Harrison, who has to sit there and talk about, you know, Amanda Nunes all day. And hear everyone talk about how great Amanda Nunes. Is. I'm so happy you went there because she was one... She might not even admit it. They all might not even admit it. She was 100% talking to the PFL. She was talking to Clarissa Shields. She was talking to Amanda Nunes. And this is a person. I remember when she won that second gold medal, DC, she sat at the podium and said, "Eh, MMA is not for me. The trash talk, the hype, all that stuff. Here's Kayla Harrison, braids and all, with the microphone on ESPN, calling out teammates, fellow Olympic gold medalists. Calling out the promotion and then drops the mic and walk off. I mean, it was a thing of beauty. If you know the back, like it was an absolute thing of beauty. And oh, by the way, we're not even talking about the performance. I mean, just steamrolling the competition. God, she is an absolute beast. She is a stud. She is an incredible fighter. And now that the whole personality is coming together, she's a, she's a mom now, adopting two kids. I mean, she is, the, she is the ultimate package. And when her deal is up at the end of this year... They are going to come calling. Every promotion should come calling. And by the way, we're not that far off from, you know, the eventual mega fight against Amanda Nunez. I'll say it right here and now. Olymp- I, you, DC, you can speak to this. Olympians are a different breed. Olympic gold medalists are a different mm-hmm. breed. Two-time Olympic gold medalists are a different breed.
1: <laughs> it's like, hey, listen,
0: there's there's
1: me, Dan Henderson, the guys that went to the Olympics, all Romero, then there's Joel Romero, the guy that got a medal at the Olympics. And then there's Henry Cejudo. And there's Kayla Harrison. And there's, you know, hey, there's a, there are levels to everything that we do, especially Olympic-level athletes. I mean, she will fight with a confidence and an and, and, and ability to rely on experiences that no one really has. I mean, to be in the tunnel before an Olympic gold medal match, I was in the semifinals. And I was so nervous. I wrestled for a bronze medal. And I was so nervous. Could you imagine twice standing up there representing the country trying to win a gold medal? She did that. And she won in both of those instances. Henry won in both. Henry won his gold medal match. That's why he became who he became in such a short period of time. Kayla Harrison is the real deal. And at the end of the year, the UFC and everybody else better come calling. Because guess what, Eric? It works in terms of timing. Because Amanda is now scheduled to fight Juliana Pena. Once Kayla gets her money by winning this tournament, which I am almost certain she will, it's time to match them up. PFL champ versus UFC double champion at 145 to see who is the baddest woman on the planet. If Even even if Amanda loses to Juliana Pena, it doesn't matter, Mm -hmm. right? She'll lose the 135-pound title but still be the 145-pound champ, and then you just have her and Kayla Harrison fight over and over again.
0: Sure, I, although I will say it takes some of the luster away if she loses to Peña because maybe you want to do an immediate rematch there, but I get what you're saying because <laughs> it's a different weight class. But PFL is on some kind of role, DC. I mean, the production is great. I love everything that they're doing. As we said recently, it's great to have our guy Kenny Florian back in the mix. As much as I love that and and everything that they're doing, I absolutely hated the main event. And not because it wasn't exciting, but it's because Fabrice Overdome should have won that fight. Henan Ferreira tapped multiple times. And somehow, Pete Peterson missed it. It's been a while since we had a controversy like this. But like, don't you agree? That was a tap, correct?
1: It was a tap. How do you not see that? Like, How in the world not even not see it? Like, How do you yeah. not see it? And then how do you not go and try to correct this going forward? They have to try to figure something out because it's unfair to Fabrizio. I don't know if you make it a no contest. I don't know if you get Fabrizio to win, but something needs to happen. Um, listen, Keith Peterson is a good referee. He really is. He's a good official. He missed it. He might have been on the opposite side of the athlete, mm-hmm. but that was an absolute tap by Fajita, and Verdum should be going not only on to the next round, he should be going on to the next round with finish points as he tries to get that million dollars. Um, That was unfortunate. That was hard to see.
0: Yeah, and those hammer fists were brutal. I mean, to not only... Lose the fight, but then to get knocked out like that, to lose via TKO, just a, a brutal, brutal pill to swallow for Fabricio Werdum. I, I, by the way, I have no problem if they want to reverse it. Now they're going to have to go through the New Jersey State Athletic Commission. They're going to have to appeal. It's not the PFL's decision to change this, but and, and we know how this goes with the commissions. They don't usually change things. But I mean, there was a clear tap there. I would have no problem with giving him the win. I would also have no problem if they don't want to set that precedent with changing it to a no contest. But something has to be done here, especially when you talk about a promotion that is rewarding people like they do for wins and losses. It's just a tough turn of events for Verdum, who had his uh, PFL debut. Now, that wasn't the only big debut of the past week. We also had Anthony Rumble Johnson debuting for Bellator. And, of course, we were supposed to get Anthony Rumble Johnson versus uh, Yoel Romero. But we ended up getting Rumble Johnson versus Jose Augusto. And it looked like he might have gone finished. In the first round, he weathered the storm and ended up finishing Augusto in the second. What did you think of uh, Rumble after the four-year layoff?
1: I mean, it takes time, right? Like, um, you're, you're not in there for a long time, and you're in there with a guy that can really strike. And I'm going to tell you, Augusto hit Rumble with a nasty combination. This wasn't luck. This wasn't this guy just landing a strike. This dude landed a right-hand left hook that was nasty. And if Rumble wasn't so tough, he might have gotten finished. But he built himself back up. And then he started to kind of flow. And then by the second round, we saw that same combination that Rumble has flattened so many people with over the course of his career. It's a left hook, right hand down the pipe, and just flatlined him. So, yeah, man, big win for Rumble. Um, Now he's got Nimkov, who's a savage. Uh, Tough fight, but I believe that if he can continue to get his timing right, the power, man. I, I talked to Rumble on Saturday mo- or Friday morning before his fight. Uh, I like the guy. He's a really good dude. He uh, And I want to see him be successful. And the one thing he told me was, "The i I'm going to sit at the champion's table with you one day. Is This is just the start of it. So he gets that opportunity next. A big spot for Rumble against Nemkov in the next round of that tournament.
0: Wait a second. You guys are boys like that? He called you. You called him.
1: How'd this go down? It was, it's text messaging, right? Like, listen, I've always had a bit of an affinity for Rumble, right? This is a kid that used to work the wrestling camps for Oklahoma State when he was in junior college. So I've known him for a long time. So when we were fighting, I used those experiences to try to elevate myself, but I've always really liked the, the guy and, and I want to see him be successful. So on Saturday, on Friday morning before his fight, I just texted him, you know, Rumble Squad, you know, go get it done. That's kind of a thing that he says all the time and just to kind of show some support. Because I've always said, you leave a part of yourself in that octagon with everybody you fight. And um, every guy that I've spent time with in there, uh, we have a bit of a a real uh, deep relationship.
0: That is a beautiful thing. I love hearing that. Uh, Of course, main (laughs) event, Sergio Pettis, the younger brother of one Anthony Pettis, winning the Bellator Bantamweight title against Juan Archuleta very nice to see. You know, we've talked about a lot of guys who bet on themselves, who leave the UFC, who don't seem to have success. Pettis uh, is 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 an exception to that rule. Not the exception, but unexception. He has looked very good since going to Bellator. Has now won three in a row. He's on a uh, four-fight winning streak. And beating a guy like Juan Archuleta the way in which he did, very impressive. I remember when he was signed to the UFC at just 20 years young. By the way, getting knocked out by Ryan Benoit on the night that his brother lost the lightweight title at UFC 185 to Rafael Dos Anjos to see him evolve, to see him turn into this fighter. Very nice to see. Very happy for Sergio Pettis.
1: Very happy for Serge, man. He's a really nice guy, really good kid. And you see him still developing skills. And not only for for Sergio, for Anthony, for Duke Rufus, who has now trained both little brothers to major organization championships. Um, He looked fantastic. And it was almost like, for as good as Juan Archuleta is, because you know Juan is very, very good. Serge was just a level above him and truly did outclass him. And it looks like it's going to be very difficult to get that belt off of Pettis. I mean, kid's a savage, man. And to watch him in the middle of the octagon wearing the belt in the same pose as Anthony did after he won the UFC championship. Uh, very special for the for that family, for the Pettis family. So congratulations to uh, Sergio Pettis, uh, the whole Pettis family. And And Duke Rufus over on the Rufus board. So uh, I was excited. Very happy for him.
0: All right. So that was this past week. Now let's transition to this weekend. UFC back on ESPN Plus pay-per-view. It's UFC 262. They're back in Houston, Texas. They're back at the Toyota Center, home of the red-hot, the streaking Houston Rockets. I mean, Clutch City just (laughs) on fire these days. I mean, just an absolute juggernaut of a basketball team. Oh Unfortunately, goodness. we are not getting Nathan Diaz versus Leon Edwards. We found out early last week. Nathan, a rare pullout. In fact, the very first injury-related pullout of his entire career. We're getting it at 263 now, June 12th. But we are getting a big-time title fight. We are getting the return of El And let's start with that title fight, DC. If I would have told you exactly one year ago, after UFC 249, that a year later, the UFC lightweight title fight would pit... Charles Oliveira, and Michael Chandler for a vacant title. I don't know if anyone would have believed me. It's kind of wild that we've gone here after that whole year, right? Yeah, you
1: know, Tony Ferguson and and Justin Gaethje were so deeply entrenched in the title picture that it's hard to imagine fast forward 12 months and you get get Chandler and Oliveira. But the reality is these guys are deserving, especially Charles Oliveira, right? I I love Michael Chandler. I think that with the impact that he made in his debut, he should be in the spot. But Charles Oliveira has looked like a, a savage. I mean, and for Bronx to do what he did to Tony Ferguson, we sat up there and said, when the title fight happens, it should involve Charles Oliveira. So it makes me happy that he's getting his opportunity to become UFC champion. But he has a very difficult fight in Michael Chandler. I mean... Big-time fight. I can't wait to get to Houston. I know you guys all want to make fun of my Rockets, and, but I'm excited to get there. I'm excited to be in the Toyota Center. I'm going to go to practice. I'm going to go see the guys because guess what? You don't want to be there when it's good, and then when it gets bad, you just kind of go dark. No, man, it's still one mission. It's one mission out of Houston always, and I'm going to be over there giving the guys support, mental support, physically I mean, patting them on the back, and you know what? We're going to go on to the draft and hopefully come back around next year. Let's, let's remember, Ariel, the Knicks were terrible for the last decade and a half. So let's not go two decades. You've been terrible two decades. And look at you guys today. So we're not very far off. But Houston for that massive about? title what are fight. What you talking about? You're just going to show up to a practice, you're going to invite but also, but also give a little support to my Houston Rockets. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, I've got an open invite at the Toyota Center. Let me tell you something. The way that I have blown the roof off of that building every time I've stepped foot in there to fight, I've got an open invite with the Houston Rockets and I'm already making calls, Ariel, for me to be at practice. What are you talking about? Just, hey, this relationship between me and my team is not like your relationship with the Knicks, right? You need Action Bronson to take you, whereas I can just kind of show up. Let's get (laughs) crazy. It's not getting crazy.
0: Okay, back to 262 for a second. Um, It is a phenomenal story to see Charles Oliveira, a guy who debuted at UFC on Versus 2, D.C. Versus isn't even a channel anymore, for God's sakes. That's when he debuted. 2010, this guy debuted in the UFC. And to see him 11 years later turn into the fighter that he's become, nothing short of amazing. And we were worried there for a second that he was going to get boxed out of the title picture. And so I'm really happy to see this guy who had weight issues and, and, and wasn't really quite living up to his potential and our expectations to see him turn into this. And then you have Chandler. I mean, it's a great fight. It's an absolute great fight. Now, is it the is it the classic grappler versus wrestler matchup that ends up turning into a striking match? Like, do you, like as, as we look at Charles Oliveira and his boxing, his improved striking, do you think that this is one of those fights that will be contested on the feet, or do you think one of these guys and their dominant style will be able to uh, overpower the other and get it to the ground?
1: I mean I believe that Chandler's going to take him down but there's just so much danger. I mean really? the submission Oliveira had yeah. Tony Ferguson in was crazy. But it's about picking your poison with Charles Oliveira at this point because his striking is just as good as his grappling. The dude is fantastic in all areas of mixed martial arts. He's just he's just fantastic. Now, here's the thing. We have seen this young man just grow up inside the UFC. From the ups and the downs, the wins and the losses, he finally seems to have gotten the ship corrected and it's all systems go towards that belt. But Michael Chandler has dynamite in his hands and an unwavering confidence about himself that he can beat just about anyone. So when you get that type of matchup, it's really hard to see an advantage. But I do believe takedowns will happen. It's just how often do you put yourself at risk if you're Chandler. They always say to Ariel, a wrestler's hip pressure, a wrestler's base, is what causes jujitsu guys' problems. Chandler has a fantastic base, so he should be comfortable grappling with Oliveira.
0: Okay, so that's for the vacant title. Then we've got the big fight between Tony Ferguson and Benil Dariush. Last December, DC, we said, hey, uh, this is a crossroads fight. For Tony Ferguson, he loses that fight. So then what is this fight at this point for Tony Ferguson? I mean, is this do or die? Like what, what, how do we characterize this fight yeah. for Tony Ferguson? <laughs> I mean, we have
1: now entered into some, some really dangerous territory for Ferguson. Because when you have worn the interim title, when you had won 12 fights in a row, and you get beat up in the way that he did by Justin Gaethje, and then he gets beat up, I mean, equally as bad against Charles Oliveira? You take a step back. Now, hey, is Benny Dariush a real step back? From those guys, it would seem that way, but he's still one of the top 10 guys in the world who is on an absolute roll. If he goes out there and he dominates Tony Ferguson, Tony's not that young himself, because if we had the conversation about Cowboy earlier, do we start to have that same type of conversation about Tony Ferguson if he gets beat up again by Benil Dariush? I mean, it is a Diario. He's in some dangerous, dangerous territory if you're Tony Ferguson.
0: And Binil Dariush is no slouch. This guy's looked amazing as of late. Like, no. You know, very very quiet, unassuming, doesn't talk to you. One right, six in a row, has developed a ton of power in his hands. I mean, this is a dangerous fight for Tony, right? I mean, this is a seriously dangerous fight. This is as dangerous, in my opinion, as the Charles Oliveira fight.
1: Oh, it says dangerous. It's, a, it's about as dangerous as it comes, because Benil Dariush not only is is a fantastic grappler with wrestling ability. He not only has tremendous power, but Benil Darius has an iron chin, and he's willing to just walk through the fire in order to get to his opponent. I mean, we have seen him do things lately, just being these knockdown, dragout drag-out wars, and always the guy that ends up on the right side in the last six fights. He's going to push Tony. He's going to make Tony fight. Now, Ariel, Tony has made some changes. To his training, he has done some things differently in the build-up to this one. Let's see if those things pay dividends as he goes into the fight.
0: Yeah, I'm really curious to see. You know, he's been doing a lot of training at Wildcard. And, you know, typically I don't love when MMA fighters start to focus too much on pure boxing training because as we have seen in the past, it affects their style. But with Tony, who has been a little, dare we say, reckless at times and taken a lot of damage, I do think <laughs> having those fundamentals in his back pocket would help him, right? I mean, like to be a little more conservative with his striking and take a damage. do you not agree? He should take a little less damage at this point, right? Be a little less crazy. I do. I,
1: <laughs> I do agree. I do agree. It's just always funny watching you try to navigate how to say things so that people don't get mad. Because people always think everything the wrong way, and they just get mad. So it's like, I can see you like, trying to navigate the way that you want to say this to make sure that Tony Ferguson doesn't end up in your DMs. But guess what? No matter what you say, they're all going to end up in the DMs anyways. Yes, Tony Ferguson takes too much damage. He needs to understand head movement. First, and also, Tony Ferguson needs to learn to box a little bit because for all the success he's had, he does some weird things in there—throws back fists, elbows, like spinning. He does a lot of weird things. A little more traditional approach can't really hurt him.
0: Some some fun fights on this card: Shane Burgos versus Itza Barbosa is a fun one. Uh, Looking forward, as always, to the return of Shakare Sosa, Matt Schnell, Mike Grundy, Andrea Lee against Antonina Shevchenko. But dare I say a fight that I'm looking forward to just as much as the other two that we just talked about at length is the Jack Hermanson versus Edmund Shabazian fight in D.C. For ESPN.com, we have to do a thing called Real or Not every week where they ask us a question. We have to say Real or Not. And the question that I was asked was um, Jack Hermanson... This was the question posed, or it was more of a statement. Jack Hermanson is the perfect comeback fight for Edmund Shabazian after suffering the first loss of his career to Derek Quentin. And I said, absolutely not real. Like, this is a massive, massive, massive step up in competition in a a way. Even though Jack Hermanson is coming off a loss, to me, you got a 23-year-old kid who just suffered the first loss, let alone a TKO loss. I have to say, like, I don't like this fight for Edmund Shabazi. Now, in six days or five days, I can be proven wrong. Everyone could say that, like, you were an idiot for saying that. But on paper, he could have taken a much easier fight to get back on track. Not a guy like Jack Hermanson. Agree or disagree?
1: I agree with you. I, I 100% agree with you. When I saw this on the page, I was like, wow. I mean, after losing, you get Hermanson, who just got beat by Marvin Vittori. Yeah, Hermanson lost, but he lost to the guy that's fighting for the title. And especially in a fight where with Derek Brunson fatigue was ultimately we cost Edmund Shabazian. Jack Hermanson has fought the best of the best. He's been five rounds on multiple occasions. He can push that same type of pace that may wear Shabazian down again. Uh, I think this is a very difficult next step for Edmund Shabazian. But look, it's sink or swim, right? When you're... This high level of prospect, and you've beaten so many guys, and there's so much hype, uh, I don't feel like one loss makes you take that biggest step back. If he loses again, then you'll have to reevaluate what happens to him, just as Kevin Holland's having to do right now. You know, Kevin Holland took all of those big fights. Now he has to reevaluate what happens with his career going forward, as does Edmund Shabazian if he can't get the job done this weekend, which is a very tall order against Jack Hermanson.
0: Yeah, I mean, what a statement it would be if he wins. I'm just saying on paper, you try to build the kid back up, build his confidence back up. To do it against Jack Hermanson is a big ask. But hey, that's been the UFC's uh, motto since day one. No gimme fights, no tune-up fights. So uh, it makes for interesting theater, and it will play out this Saturday at UFC 262. Now, before we go, DC, there's something I've been wanting to ask you for two weeks. Unfortunately, we ran out of time (laughs) last week, and we're approaching Mm -hmm. the end of the show this week. But no, this is actually no joke. Uh, Your old friend... Stipe Miacic last week was on some rinky-dink show called The Patrick McAfee Show, and he talked about (sighs) wanting to add 20 pounds, go up to 250 now in his pursuit of Francis Ngannou once again. You've been in there with this guy at different weights. What did you think of when uh, when you heard these comments from Stipe about now all of a sudden bulking up again to perhaps the heaviest he's ever been?
1: I think you got to be heavy to fight Francis Ngannou because Francis is so big and strong. And Stipe may believe that in that situation where Francis sprawled on him and took him down, maybe he sucks a leg in. Maybe he can pull it in if he's a little bit stronger. I don't know if that's necessarily going to equate to that, but I believe that that's a good first step. I thought he was way too small going into there the last time. I even asked him about it in the fighter meeting. I'm like, man, do you think maybe... You should get a little bigger. He's like, I only lost weight because I'm training so hard. He goes, it wasn't to be faster. It wasn't this, this, and the other. I think it's a great idea by Miocic. Does it change anything in a rematch? I'm not certain. The one thing I do wish that Stipe would stop wasting his time with Pat McAfee. I wish everybody would stop wasting their time with this guy. This guy, uh, it's it's a massive waste of time. And what a rinky-dink show he runs over there. But great idea by Miocic. You gotta change something if you want a different result. I'm just not certain if that's gonna be enough because of Ngano's ability to knock him out.
0: Well, here's my big question, DC. My big question is: all right, you wanna you wanna add the weight, great. It would make sense if you're fighting Francis next, but by all accounts. He's not fighting Francis next. By all accounts, they're trying to do either John Jones versus Francis or at the very least Francis versus Derek Lewis. And if they do Francis versus Derek Lewis and Francis wins that fight, I can assure you they'll try to do Francis versus John Jones after that. So now we're getting into 2022. So what exactly is he bulking up for? Because I think talking about him fighting the Cyril Gans or the Alexander Volkovs of the world, it's actually better to be a little smaller. So why bulk up now? Mm-mm.
1: no. Even, he still needs to
0: gain that nope. weight. Even against Surreal
1: even against surreal versus Volkov, any of those guys, he still needs to be a little heavier. 230 is too small. 230 was good to fight me, a light heavyweight in all those fights. 230 is not good to be fighting guys that are 6'4", 6'5", 250, 260 pounds of actual muscle, right? Like, he needs to be a little bigger. Now, with the extra weight, there may be a loss of cardio. There may be a little bit different, but... Maybe he feels as though it'll it'll benefit him. Here's the thing: Stipe may just be hopeful that if everything fails, he ends up fighting in again. I don't know what the plan is because at 38, 39 years old, the Stipe Miocic have another run in him at a heavyweight title fight because it seems like that's what he's going to have to do in order to fight in Ghana
0: again. All right we'll see it's going to be interesting i mean if they do those two fights there's a curtis blades out there for him potentially like i don't know is he going to sit around and wait to see how this whole thing plays out now we're talking about him sitting on the sidelines for a year and maybe he does need that time to bulk up so maybe it's all coinciding nicely for him but uh you know if c does want to fight and i know he's having a kid and we're probably not going to see him for the rest of the year so we'll see how it all plays out i was just curious as the guy who's been in there with him who felt his strength how you felt about it and all right now we know as my screen goes out behind me dc I mean, oh I mean, my you're doing God. this now. Now this <laughs> is like
1: now this thing, like your screen thing, no. is like a thing now. Now you're doing it on purpose. There's I mean, a timer, Helwani. There is a timer no. for you in order yeah, to not make that happen. I mean, come on, then. There's a timer. I mean, it's back, it's back. There's that Canadian flag, oh Canada. I mean, come on, Helwani, you gotta do better, one of these man. days.
0: One of these days.
1: It's like you've never been on this thing. It's like you're new to this thing. I thought you went to school for this. I thought you went to school for broadcasting. This was the first class. This was an orientation where I learned it. Come on.
0: I'll take seven days to figure it out, DC. Enjoy your trip to Houston. Enjoy UFC 262. Enjoy all the fights this weekend. Back next week. Same time and place until I say peace. Right.